Reo Karanga o Taranaki, The Call of Taranaki, is still on at Pukeariki Museum. The exhibition features the work of 25 artists from the area, many who have not lived there for some time. Curated by painter Darcy Nicholas, he also led a panel discussion with Rex Homan, Rose Tahuparai and Matthew McIntyre-Wilson. And Rex, let's talk about yourself. You've exhibited all over the world. He's one of our, our, our leading uh, artists in working with wood, Rex Homan. I guess I'm the old man on the scene here. I'm the old man of the sea. Uh, I've been around for a long, long time uh, working my style. 50 years, actually, I've been working in, in wood, carving wood and bronze. Uh, I started, at, I suppose, in my 20s, working as a sculptor, uh, as a hobby, because I always had a real job with a family and children and that. Uh, but I've been around for a long, long time, but it's only recently, in the last 20 years, I guess, that uh, uh, my work has been successful, both in New Zealand and overseas. I'm represented by a gallery in Vancouver, and uh, the bulk of my work goes to North America. Uh, I don't have any outlets here in New Zealand. I'm passionate about my work, even though I'm getting older now. I hope I've still got several years to go before I can hang up my tools. Uh, but then, even then, I still hope I can paint or sketch or something like that. So. Your, your relatives, though, come from Taranaki. Oh, you, my link to Taranaki is uh, my, through my great-great-grandmother, uh, who was a, a lady called Mary Tipona. And uh, in the 1848, I think, she was married to a Scotsman, an immigrant, uh, in Auckland, in Onihonga, in Auckland. I, I don't know how she got from Taranaki to Auckland. And that's one of the things I was hoping to find out a little bit more about while I'm down here. Yeah, thank, thanks, Rex. I'm going to move on to Matthew McIntyre-Wilson here. Matthew, so he's, he's, a, he's a brilliant, totally different type of weaver. Uh, he weaves silver and um, copper and a whole range of other materials. Uh, I think when gold goes down, you're going to weave gold too, aren't you, Matthew? Yeah, so Matthew McIntyre-Wilson here. Matthew, can you talk about yourself? When I was quite young, about 17, sort of left school and went to, um, to Whitirea Polytech in Porirua. And um, there I discovered um, jewellery making and those materials that I use there, copper and silver. And um, I suppose throughout my making, those materials have never changed. But the, um, what I do with them has changed a lot. And the, the tools that I use to work with the material have stayed the same. But that manipulation of the material is what has really sort of evolved. And um, I suppose even in my early jewellery making, I would always look at um, pattern as a, as a big part of pretty much everything that I do. What influenced you into weaving? I suppose when I was at Hawke's Bay Polytech after I was in Porirua, and there I would, um, a friend of mine, um, Rangi Q, who was a weaver there, and he just would go and just hang out in the weaving, the whariraranga, um, and just sit, and he would be weaving, and we'd just talk about weaving, and it just, there's so many beautiful sort of ideas within weaving, with that whole, um, you know, one thread by itself, there's not much to it, but then you put them together, and they're strong, and it's like people, in a way, you're together alone, we're not much, but then together we're a lot. And all within pattern, 
stories that can come out of those and um, just even the idea of just reflection within weaving, whatever you do on one side, if you do the opposite on the other side and there's just so many beautiful sort of ideas in there that you can take from it and it's, yeah, just... It, it's, a, uh, it's an interesting group of artists here because uh, all have, most have uh, exhibited a huge amount uh, internationally and a lot have uh, been going back and looking at uh, their histories and meeting their people. They'll come back. Uh, Rose, you've got some sort of association with Queen Elizabeth, haven't you? Yeah. Would you, would you like to talk? Rose told me about a wonderful experience she had when she was riding uh, with the Queen in her carriage uh, and then you got out of the airport and her cloak fell off her, didn't it, Rose? The sign to the Queen the last, on her last visit and we were going on to a marae down in Kaikoura, down in Christchurch. And when you work for the Queen, you get to travel in the vehicle in front of her. And sitting right next door to me was this great big box and I kept asking her her mind is to take the kurawai out of the box so I could have time to study it before I got to the marae. How was I going to tie it up? And, and you're thinking of all those things and you're thinking of the karanga that you've got to do when you take her on and there's a thousand and one things going through your mind. And um, the minders are simply that, their minders. And they wouldn't open the box until we got to the marae. When I got to the marae, I mean, I'm meant to be out of the car with this kurawai open, ready to wrap around her shoulders. Instead of that, I'm sitting in the car trying to unwrap the kurawai, and it was uh, kahu kiwi, and it was full of electricity. And it was still wrapped up in the delicate um, soft tissue paper, and it was actually alive. And it was it was going like this so I got into a sweat of course and that went the karanga out of my head and you're trying to compose yourself to step out of this car gracefully and, and worry about the kurawai and I stepped out of the car and I went to open the kurawai out and it took off it just took off into the air I caught it with the tip of my finger just like that it was absolutely alive that was the Wellington wind was it? <laughs> It was at the Marae in, uh, in Christchurch. And so she saw all that. And she was just such a wonderful, uh, wonderful and a very easy person to, to manage. Um, when I went to put the kōrawai on, on her, um, she talks to you just like it would be your own grandmother. And she talks you through it. Don't worry about anything. I saw what happened. Just be calm. Just do your job, just put the kurawai on and turn your head to the left because the BBC cameras are over here on the left hand side. <laughs> she knows exactly what's going on in and around her and so she talked me through putting this kurawai on her but they had actually left her kurawai behind in England and so she had Prince Philip's kurawai and nobody brought me in the night before to do the alterations to put a a toggle on it to make it right to fit her. The government house decided they know what's best and brought in the seamstress who came in and just literally buggered it up to say the least. And so here I was fumbling what should have been an easy job to put her kurawai on. It became a bit of a 
mission. She, she taught you how to sit in the car and smile and wave yeah, to you, didn't she? Did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she did. <clears throat> she did. And um, she is just such a, a wonderful, wonderful person. And I think um, I've served every member of the royal family. And um, one of the kōrawais that I just made recently, I, I kind of saw a lady, Princess Diana, wearing it. And I call it secretly my Princess Diana Kurawai, and it's up there. Yeah, so that's an interesting story about the royal family. Um, I know Prince Edward came to the museum I used to run, and uh, I found him an incredibly nice person, and he uh, enjoyed it so much he wanted to spend more time just talking to the young people there. So he was uh, an hour late for his, his next venue because he was enjoyed just talking to the young people.